0: You're very welcome along it is the gardening programme here on Midwest Radio on this Saturday morning and uh, Porrick Horkin. Good, good morning. morning to you. Good
1: morning. Good morning.
0: And the sun is streaming, and I was saying it was such a gorgeous autumn morning this morning. Where were all these lovely m- mornings for the last I don't know six months? It's true,
1: isn't it? Yeah. Well, I think we started the program with beginning did, of the year on yes, a high. Yes. the weather was good. It was looking fantastic. On, on, on an, and
0: an abnormal high. It back has to in be March. Said with hindsight now.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, we're finishing on a high note as well. But it's yeah. cold out there this morning. It's a chilly morning. Two point five. Two point five. I was reading on the on and the uh, little computer this morning.
0: As coming in up, two point five degrees. Degrees, Yeah. All oh, right. I had four. Now oh, earlier. Yeah. Oh, there yeah.
1: You go. There's a lot of fog down as well is, in, coming yeah. up. Yeah. But it's,
0: it's it's a pleasant morning. And
1: just listening to your the forecast, they're promising twelve, twelve degrees, thirteen degrees.
0: Yeah. They're saying so. it's cool. I don't think it's that cool, is
1: it? Oh, it's cool out year? It's cool out there this morning. <laughs> I can tell you.
0: I was hoping for a bit of dry, a bit of a dry weather over the weekend that I'd get uh, the last of the grass, grass cut. cut. Well, yeah. You only,
1: yeah. And, uh and uh, yeah I suppose it is what Thomas two it be a good really
0: good day for us well
1: we' promised two really good days and a lot of dew down at the moment yeah, at the moment okay. so I would leave the grass clipping until later on this evening. in the afternoon even tomorrow. Yeah, well, again, it's going to be cold tonight. So again, you're going to get very heavy dews, um, you know, from now on, really. Mm. So leave the grass clipping. But you're dead right. I mean, you know this is my last program for, for this for uh, season. For the moment. For the moment. Yeah. So I was just thinking about the things I'm going to be doing in the garden over the next couple of weeks because I've got an extra Saturday now. You do, yeah. <laughs> you don't have to get up maybe yeah, as early yeah.
0: on a Saturday morning. And but,
1: you can... but the grass and the lawn in general, I mean, you're going to be cutting it for the next two months. Right. Right. Yes. It needs to be cut for the next two months. Grass is going to slow down in its growth. So, you're possibly going to be cutting it every fortnight from now on. And that is important that we tend to put the lawnmower away, you know, as soon as, as uh, October. The, October kind of in, yeah. yeah. But the grass actually continues to grow because it will grow at anything below 10 degrees, 8, 9, 10 degrees Celsius. The grass above 6 degrees, really, it's, it's growing away. And as you say, today is going to be 12 to 13 degrees. So you're going to experience grass growth right through nearly up to Christmas time, certainly to the end of November. So my advice is to is to keep on top of the lawn. And just You know, every fortnight, just trim it. You can certainly raise the blades up a little bit higher now, uh, but do keep on top of it and keep it trimmed. And it just means coming into the spring of next year, it's in very good condition. You, you're not allowing stronger grasses, wilder grasses to creep in over the winter period. Right. And you're also helping to control a lot of weed growth as well. So for me, the, certainly the trimming of the lawn would be something you need to do uh, every fortnight from now on. Sulfur of iron, I'm going to be getting that on myself this weekend, uh, haven't done it and collected my own lawn and the moss is knocking around so certainly addressing dressing of sulfur of iron daylight today would be just so good, so ideal for putting it on, mm. you get a very rapid moss kill and uh, it's stopping that moss growth before we get into the, the winter period when when moss is, is really at its to the fore and it's growing very strongly um, and general weed control on the lawn, again it's a good time if, if you have bits of old clover and dandelions or whatever, still in the lawn you could treat it again a dry day like today would be a good time to do that before we get into the depths of winter so certainly certainly putting the lawn to bed um, and if you'd say a couple of maybe bare patches you want to do a little bit of reseeding mm. that still could be done at this time of year grass will germinate uh, even in these low temperatures so particularly if you're taking out dead moss or you have just an area that's got damaged or whatever if you want to do a little bit of reseeding or a bit of patching that certainly could could be done the other thing you know, looking around the garden, the fruit um, your fruit hasn't been as good as other years, but certainly there's still plenty of apples around and people should be picking those now and harvesting those now. Um, you know, otherwise the birds are going to get at them and the frost will start to damage them as we go into the, the colder part of the of the autumn and early winter. So, picking the fruit now, storing it um, maybe in, in, in something like timber boxes in a dark area and um, individually wrap the fruit. But we're also coming into the time of year for pruning apple trees.
0: Right, so this is because that's a question that's been recurring, I suppose, yeah. over the last couple of weeks. You know, will I do it yet? Will I hang on? Yeah,
1: and, and it's and it's it's coming right on that time of year now where the leaves are going to be falling over the next 10 days, two weeks. So as we come into mid-October, late October, the pruning back of apple trees. And it's an easy time to do it because the leaves will be off the trees. It'll be very easy to see what you're cutting. And um, any growth that the plants have made this year, you certainly want to remove about two thirds. So if they're making two or three feet of growth, certainly take off eight. Inches to two feet off them. Uh, keep them nice and open, any dead wood take out. And things like blackcurrants and gooseberries, red currants, white currants, you'll be cutting all of those back, um, cutting the older wood back uh, again from the middle of, of October onwards. So it's a tidying up of the fruit garden. Okay. You could certainly put a little bit of sulfate of potash on at this time of year on all fruiting plants, pears, plums, fruiting cherries, apples, um, and any of the soft fruit as well. The the um, gooseberries and blackcurrants will benefit from a dressing of potash because uh-huh. it's the element that helps us help them flower uh-huh. next spring and, and helps the fruit fruiting for next year spring and it's also a good time deer for planting. Planting apple trees in general, planting trees in general, but also taking cuttings. So if you want to propagate some of your blackcurrant plants, you're going to be pruning them back. So rather than dumping that wood, you could take small little cuttings at this tier, about a foot long, dip them into rooting powder at the root very, very easily over the winter period. So use the, the bits that you're taking off, blackcurrants, gooseberries, redcurrants, uh, blueberries, all of those as mm. small cuttings or as cuttings for um, maybe some new plants. Good time of year for making compost. Okay. So the leaves are falling. Yeah, you're again. You're tidying back the garden. You're doing a certain amount of of tidying up the garden. So all that kind of vegetative growth, you know, you m- might be cleaning out the allotment or the vegetable area, bits of old cabbage, uh, whatever that you're taking out. Rather than dumping that, that could be shredded up and put into the compost heap. So a mixture of grass clippings, leaves, uh, any kind of old vegetation from the um, from the garden can certainly be tidied up now. Be careful of putting weeds in because, um, you know, if there's any seed on the weeds, obviously they'll germinate in your compost heap. And any kind of perennial weeds like scutch grass or dandelions that have a root, obviously leave those out of the compost heap. But anything else, all household waste, you know, so any, any kind of the household waste, uncooked newspapers can yeah. be shredded up, grass clippings. A really good time though, uh, because if you start a compost heap now, you want it next March and April in the garden. So you've got a good six or seven months now for that to decompose and break down. And there's plenty of material around in the garden at the moment that's going to be naturally dying mm. back anyway. So why not clean it up, gather it up, put it into a compost area. You can get a, a little tub of garoto, which is a, a compost accelerator. It's bacteria that's introduced into the compost heap. It's okay. small granules. You shake it onto the compost area. It helps to break down. the. It gets the bacteria, the natural bacteria, g- Going And that helps to decompose the uh, the compost mix. And when you're doing a compost, try not to have all of the same material. So don't put all grass clippings in. Try to have a mixture of leaves and grass, some household waste, some general uh, garden vegetation mm. around shredded newspapers. Make a good old mix up and uh, that's where you get the best compost. It, it breaks down an awful lot faster.
0: And I suppose just seeing as we are talking about composting uh, and for people maybe who haven't, uh, you know, done composting before, but... Uh, now feel that maybe they do have the material or whatever. Um, is it better or does it make any difference? You know, sometimes you see the compost uh, kind of bins, bins, yes, yeah. Ah, yeah, or or just a heap. Or does it matter really? What well, is, is, I does suppose... one work better than the other?
1: It, it doesn't really, tidier, I the, yeah. The compost, the compost uh, bins just make it a little bit tighter and, and easier, and you have it in one area. But you could simply make up. The, the main thing is to keep excessive wetness out of the excessive rain. So if you're making a, a makeshift out of pallets or what galvanized sheets mm. or whatever, make sure that you've got a plastic cover that keeps not a hundred percent of the rain out, but certainly ninety five percent or ninety percent of the rain out, because the rain will actually dampen the bacteria and stop it from breaking down. Right. So it needs a certain level of moisture, but if it gets too wet, it gets cold, the bacteria die, and the compost just stays stagnant. So that's important. So try to keep as much um heavy moisture, heavy rain off the, so, you know, some plastic sheeting, some galvanized sheeting, something like that to keep the the rain off it. The other thing I would do is maybe in the middle of December, around Christmas time, if you want a little chore to do, you could go out (laughs) and actually turn over the compost heap. So literally just fork it out onto the grass and fork it back into the, into the compost heap again. And that just gets the, the air circulating through the compost and you just get a far better, uh, breakdown you just get the you accelerate the, the bacteria, uh, their activity by introducing some air into the compost. Okay,
0: so you have nice crumbly matter correct, really at the end correct. of and it's surprising uh, come, come by spring springtime. Exactly,
1: in March time when you're doing your, your vegetable garden or making up your own compost or whatever, it's there to be used. Mm. It also cuts down on the refuse that you're throwing out in the bin. Oh absolutely. So it's, yeah. it's beneficial. So in general, a uh, good tidy up um, hedging, if you haven't pruned back your hedges, I see a lot of laurels that have been planted in the last two years that haven't been kind of tipped back. People I think are just leaving them. Um, And you've got kind of, you know, long elongated uh, stems coming Mm -hmm. up out of of the main plant. I would shorten those back now, prune them back a little bit, tip them back because that'll help them to branch out. And I think people are wary about doing that because they think they're, they're reducing the overall height of the hedge. They're not. By cutting them back, just tipping them back six or eight inches off the tops of the laurel or whatever hedges you've put in over the last couple of years will help to branch out the the plants and get them to knit in together better and it won't reduce the overall height. So it's a good time of year just to tip them back, take only 6 or 8 inches off them but just even off hedges in general and a good time to plant hedges as well and we are going to be coming into the Beirut season yes. which is, is the time of year where the nurseries dig the, the hedging plants out of the ground. They're they're very cheap to buy at, that, at this time of year from about the 1st of November through to March. So if you are thinking about putting in a hedge, that's the time I would Go and look and look for some Beirut root plants of white thorn, of uh, laurels, of uh, privets. They're all available as as Beirut plants. Once we get into that dormant season, which is about the first of March, uh, or, or, or first of November, November. I should say, <laughs> so no, for November. So from Novo- November to March is the time yes. when plants are dormant, and you can you can and you can uh, plant yeah. the Beirut root plants. It's also a good time as well. Once plants go dormant, for transplanting. So we get lots of questions. I want to move this plant.
0: And I I see them coming already this morning. So, yeah.
1: So, you know, again, once the plants go dormant, particularly if they're deciduous like hydrangeas or trees in general, and once they've dropped their foliage around the first week of November, a super time to dig them up, transplant them. Remember to put them back down at the same level. And a little tip for people, I found uh, a great product called, a thing called Root.
0: Grow.
1: Okay. Root grow, which is a which is granules, um, which again is a form of bacteria that help the roots of plants to grow. So, if you are putting in new trees and shrubs, or if you're particularly moving a plant that might be four or five or six years old, get yourself a little tub of of uh, root grow. It's cheap to buy, and you add it. To the, to the mixture of soil as you're backfilling in around the roots of plants and that helps to accelerate root growth over the winter period it's also great if you're putting down roses into the same piece of ground So we often get that question mm. that people are uh, you may be taking out an old rose and putting back a new one into that area roses can often sur- suffer from a thing called rose sickness where the, the, the roots can be attacked by the old root structure right. by the old bacteria so putting in a little bit of the, of the root grow granules helps to Uh, counteract that as well. So that's a good little product, particularly if you're planting larger plants, or you're a little bit worried about moving a plant, put in some of those granules and you'll find a far better rooting structure. And indeed it can be used for general planting if you want. It really accelerates the root growth. And as I always say, during the winter period, the roots are growing on plants. So if you plant a plant today, even though there's no foliage growth and stem growth, there's lots of root activity happening over the winter period. Yeah, because we
0: tend to think that everything just stops eh, on on both sides of the the ground, underground and overground. But plants
1: are actually rooting away all winter long. So it's, and for that reason, it's a good time to plant in general. So have I given, have I given I think, you enough?
0: Yeah, you've given. I think you've given us loads there already Porik, but we do have, we, we are going to kind of tease out uh, specific questions uh, in just a few moments. We're going to take a, a short break though before we do that and a quick reminder if you do have something uh, that you'd like to uh, ask Porik about you can text us first of all if you wish on 087 900 4141 with thanks to CNC Cellular We're switching your mobiles to Vodafone is easy at any of CNC Cellular's nine stores around the region now Teresa has taken calls first this morning and you can ring us directly on 08183055 and already I see there's a few emails in as well so we'll come to those and your questions in just a few moments the email address garden at midwestradio.ie OK, lot, a big variety of questions in this morning. That's great. I'm to, yeah, sorry, I'm just going to move the microphone uh, for a quick second so we can get this properly now. Uh, a couple of questions on the email, first of all, Porig. Uh, now we have a question on hydrangeas I think to start us off with okay. uh, good morning to Esther uh, hydrangeas are growing up against a wall they're nearly seven feet tall they're very heavily laden with flowers okay. and she needs to cut them back as they're falling over could you please advise as to how they should cut them back and how much to take them back by
1: yeah and it's going to be a popular question at the moment hydrangeas actually were great this year and, and they really love that mo- the level of moisture that we've had uh, this summer I mean the flowers have been exceptional um, You know, really, not not just loads of flowers, but very large blooms this year. So the trick with hydrangeas is remember that they flower on the previous season's wood. So you cannot you cannot treat them like a rose bush and just cut them back hard. My advice is to leave them alone. Now, mm-hmm. allow the flowers to wither, which they will, in, as we go into November, and then that acts as kind of a winter coat or a protection for the plants. Now, Esther has them growing up against a wall, so that's going to give them extra protection through the winter period, because they can suffer in the springtime from early frosts. Right. Um, so the advice with hydrangeas is to leave them alone until about the end of March, the first week of April. And then you remove all the flowering wood, all the, the, the shoots that have withered flowers on them are removed right down to ground level, leaving the young shoots to come forward. So my advice is just leave them alone at the moment, uh, wait until about the end of March, uh, cut them then, just cut. take the actual withered flower, follow that stem back to ground level and cut it out. And all the young shoots that are uh, between those stronger shoots there that's where the flowers are are going to be born next year the other trick to with with hydrangeas if you put potash on them uh, you could put a little bit on this time of year but particularly in the springtime it helps to hold back the growth they don't grow as excessively as vigorous I think you mentioned this one went to seven feet
0: yeah, so if they you want, sound really big. <laughs> yeah, so if
1: you want to keep it a little bit more compact um, and, and kind of hold back the growth, potash actually does that to plants. It's, it, it counteracts the way nitrogen, you know, Just promotes, the, green promotes growth. the growth. And yeah. particularly this year, because of the level of moisture, they actually grew very, very vigorously and very tall. So putting on potash actually slows down the growth. And helps to induce them into flower better. So you get more turgid, shorter plants with bigger blooms. So try that next year as well. So leave the pruning till the end of March and just take out the flowering wood.
0: Lovely. Now, <laughs> uh, good morning to Jar. Jar would like to plant a hedge of roses and oh, that gives the big haws this time of year. Oh, yeah. Okay, and she's wondering can, are, can they be got bare-rooted and if so, when? Yeah,
1: the, the rose you're looking for is a plant called Rosa rugosa, uh, the dog rose. And um, Rosa rugosa is actually, comes in a, in, a, in, a, in a range of different colours. They will be, be- available bare-rooted from, again, about the first week of March onwards. Really tough plant. Great plant, actually, for a seaside area, and exposed area. Um, first
0: week of March or November?
1: did I say March again? Sorry. I have March in the brain. First week of November. Exactly. First week of November. Well, you, again, right through to till, till the till, till March you can plant the roses but they will be available from the first week of November. And uh, so Rosa rugosa, really good rose. Space them about two feet apart. Um, it'll form a hedge, anything up to six feet. Now do remember it is deciduous so it sheds its leaf in winter. Okay. Um, but apart from that, it's a, a, a Gorgeous. lovely plant. Gr- you know, a great, uh, b- lovely big flowers. The flowers themselves are Probably four inches in diameter. comes in, in purples, shades of pink, and in white. And then it produces lovely rose hips at this time of year, those bright orange rose hips. So uh, that's what you're looking for, Rosa Rugosa. And it's often, it makes a really good hedge and also a very good in exposed areas as an initial barrier. Yeah. You know, it's the sort of plant that will actually tolerate sea conditions and salt air.
0: Okay. So. And, it's,
1: it's, and it'll be cheap to buy and very vigorous. Within, certainly within two to three years, it will be coming up to that five or six feet. Oh, excellent. They're quite strong and vigorous to grow. And pruning wise, you literally just take the hedge clippers to them. I mean, there's, you know, I wouldn't prune them until probably uh, March. <laughs> until March because you're enjoying the hips through the winter period right. you're cutting them then in March back and then it comes into growth comes into flower from June, January up to about the end of August and the hips start to form then from then on
0: and would it be a good hedge for birds then as well or would, they, would the birds be bothered with the hips the, or they
1: no? tend not to be bothered oh, okay. with the rose hips but um, but no it's and but it's a very good plant actually for wildlife in general okay. because the bees in particular they're single flowers and <clears> the bees <throat> will pollinate the flowers during the summer period so great for, for insects and bees in general.
0: Okay, it sounds lovely all together. Tough,
1: good tough hardy plant right. and, and, and still very attractive.
0: Um, now, somebody has got 100 feet of golden lelandii hedge. Tom, good morning to you. Um, and it's about 12 foot high okay. and they'd like to reduce its height by five or six feet for next year. So this was nearly cutting it in half. Half. Um, when is the best time to do it and w- would it survive
1: this process? Well, it it, it it certainly will. I mean, the thing the thing with Lelandia is, first of all, you need to be careful that you don't go back into very old wood, particularly on the side branches. So, reducing the height isn't a problem. You can certainly cut them back, but be very careful that you don't cut the side shoots, the, the, the face and the back of the hedge uh, into old wood because it, won't, it doesn't have the ability to reshoot. Plants like Escalonia, laurels, other hedging plants, you can be as brutal with them as, as you want and they'll reshoot again but with Leylandii, it doesn't have that ability so if you cut and I often see in gardens where people have really shaved them back cut them very tightly uh, you get a lot of brown patches in them a lot of dead wood and Leyland doesn't have the ability to reshoot again okay. from that dead wood so reducing the height isn't a problem but just be very careful about reducing, reducing the bulk the side the face of the hedge and the back of the hedge just cut into uh, young wood so you might reduce the face of it by a foot foot and a half at most don't go into old dark wood or the plant won't reshoot again lovely so reducing the height isn't a problem but uh, be, careful. be careful and I wouldn't do, touch it until the next spring I would leave the hedge alone until March early April the conifers Lelandia really doesn't come into growth until about the first week of April so late March early April is the time to to cut it back
0: leave it its cover for the winter leave the cover
1: on it for the winter Mm -hmm. and then prune it severely back or prune the top of it back about the end of March first week of April but be careful on the sides not to reduce it too much into old wood
0: Lovely. Now here's a lovely idea. Somebody would like to buy a tree for their husband's birthday at the end of October. Okay. They're wondering is it the right time of year and what tree would be suitable. They live in the Mullet Peninsula, very close to the sea and the wind. Okay, so, that's so a, challenges, that's a factor, challenges.
1: Yeah, yeah. well I, it's it's a lovely idea, and you know I suppose uh, what what springs to my mind is picking a tree that actually looks nice at this time of year. There's some bit of interest and colour because I'm sure you know the birch is always going to appear in October. Well, yeah. So, so you'd like
0: to have it something that looking the, good. But at that point exactly yeah. so plants
1: that look really good at this time of year are things like the liquid amber that we talked about before the gum tree but it does need a little bit of shelter and protection so if you have an area in the garden even though you live in in a seaside area if you had a sheltered spot the liquid amber would be beautiful at this time of year because it goes that lovely scarlet and red color weeping cotoneaster again is an evergreen small tree it'll grow to about eight or nine feet maybe ten feet in total and it's got covered in red berries at this time of year and it retains the leaf in winter so again That would be quite nice, again, if you had a relatively sheltered part of the garden. If, because you're living in Belmullet and in seaside areas, it's very exposed and windy, then the two trees that spring to my mind are Sorbus aria which is the white beam. It's in the mountain ash family, very tough, very hardy. It's got nice silver foliage, spring, summer, and autumn, and it's got nice red berries as a mature plant during the winter period. So that would be quite attractive at this time of year. So that's white beam or Sorbus aria lutescens. Um, the other one I, is one that you often mention is critagus paul scarlet, the, the red form of, of the hawthorn. Mm. Uh, and critagus, again, because of its hardy white horn uh, background, uh, Paul Scarlet that particular variety produces nice pink or reddish flowers in May um, that's a good tough hardy plant. So depending on, on the level of exposure in the garden um, because it's a birthday because it's October I would be thinking of plants that actually look really well at this time of year and for me liquid amber uh, the Whitebeam, or the weeping Cotoneaster would be really nice at this time of year um, and but if you want something larger that will tolerate the sea conditions then Critegus Paul Scarlet would be quite good to choose. That's it's a lovely idea
0: you've just given me an idea actually Go for on. a birthday present there I better not say anything else in case anyone's <laughs> listening now um, crabapple trees yes. uh, these are a favourite of my mother's I have okay. to say she has a great affinity for the crabapple um, did we, she do anything with the fruit? Uh, no I think it's been left for the wildlife All right. Uh, okay. <laughs> on this year anyway but um, now you have me off track um Crab apple trees. Can yes. they be got in the garden centre? Somebody's wondering. Yes, they can. And, and
1: crab apple, what we mean by crab are, are the malice family. They're in the actual apple family, but they produce small fruit about the size of a marble. But they tend to produce them in abundance, like bunches of grapes. Um, and they're actually very good. The, a lot of the um, people like that, that grow the apples for Bulmer cider, mm. they bring the crab apples, they grow them in pots. They wheel them into the, I've actually seen it in some of the ads that Bulmers, they're very clever in some well, of the have, ads yeah, they Yeah, i said they're
0: very good ads anyway. But, but.
1: in some of the ads, that you'll actually see them wheeling in the, uh, the crabapple trees. And the reason they do that is that they're excellent pollinators of other apple trees. So even though they only produce small little marble-sized fruit, Uh because the amount of blossom they produce, they're excellent pollinators for apple trees. So if you've got a little orchard yourself in the garden, introducing a couple of crab apple trees is a great idea because A, they're very decorative and they look really well and you can use them for something or other, crab apple jelly or crab apple chutney or something like that. And and they are edible. They are basically for small apples, but they're great pollinators of other apple trees. A couple of varieties I'd recommend Excellent one called John Downey, which produces fruit about the size of a small tomato, red and and yellow in colour. Golden Hornet is another really nice one, which produces orange, uh, grape-like fruit at this time of year. And there's a lovely one called Rudolph. What colour is that? Would it be red? Does it come out in December? It does indeed. (laughs) Well, the fruit is on it at this time of year. It's got nice red foliage, red flowers and red fruit. So that's a one called uh, Malus Rudolph. Um, So Malice Rudolph, John Downey or Golden Hornet, they're beautiful trees in their own right as ornamental foliage trees in the garden. But particularly if you've got apple trees in the garden and they're not fruiting as well as you'd like, introduce a couple of crab apple trees.
0: Lovely. Now, if it's
1: good enough for Bulmers it's, it's good enough
0: <laughs> are you on contract with Bulmers or something no, no. <laughs> uh, we'll be, we'll be given out to, for promoting yeah. things I uh, know we're just saying that we're just explaining the way they use things Absolutely. now somebody has a golden large uh, golden Lalandia I know now, we we're talking about the trimming back yeah, okay. but they'd like to take slips and they're wondering oh, yeah. how is this done would they have a go at it now yeah
1: October is the time October yeah. early November um, what do you do it, well f- first First of all, you want young wood, so don't take long stem cuttings, try and take very short cuttings for Lalandia, about five, six, maybe eight inches long of this year's growth. So you're looking, particularly if it's trimmed as a hedge, you'll have lots of fresh growth on it. Take the cuttings about five, six inches long, strip off the leaves, dip them into rooting powder, put them into a a shallow box or, or seed tray about three to four inches deep with moss beet and sand a little bit of rooting powder on them, cover them with polythene and they'll have, they take about four months or five months to root, so they won't root till next April or May. Uh, And then it's just a matter of simply planting them out of doors and growing them on.
0: Okay, great. Um, Somebody is wondering, well first of all somebody says, enjoy the break and thanks for all the tips during the year. That's great, lovely. Uh, Is it possible to get some pure white tulips that will flower next April? It's for a pot on a grave, are they okay out of doors all winter?
1: Yeah, you can get, um, well, if, if it's for a pot, um, I would go for some of the dwarf varieties. Um, there's a very, very good one called, uh, what is it called again, Pork? It's called uh, Coronetto. Okay. It's a pure white dwarf tulip. Um, you, get, you buy them in a bag, maybe they might be 20, 25. And depending on the size of the pot, I would put two layers of them in. So a layer of compost, yeah. a layer of the Cornetto uh, uh, t- tulip, another layer of compost and put another layer of tulips on top. Okay. So you're getting a double layering and that will give you a really strong uh, colourful effect. They'll flower from about the middle of March through till. Uh, Mid April. Okay. So,
0: thinking. do they come up at different
1: heights then, or no? No, they'll they'll, they'll well, there might be about maybe an inch and a half, two inches yeah. in the difference, but so, you yeah. just get a mass effect yeah, of good. colour. Okay. Uh, and you can plant tulips very close together like that. You can actually double double layer them, and you get a really strong effect. It look very attractive. Sounds in really the nice. Pots. Yeah. So, th- so that's and an a good time in general to be planting uh, tulips, dwarf daffodils, any of the bulbs really can be planted this time of year, and th- they all do very well in pots. Uh,
0: well, speaking of bulbs, somebody's wondering, can we give the name again of the bulbs we said for growing indoors for Christmas and just wondering is it too late to plant them now
1: no no um, you've got three three to choose from you've got paper whites which are in the Narcissi family which again are very easy they're like a daffodil bulb again you can simply pot them up into pots um, keep them in a warm windowsill and they'll come into flower from about the middle of December onwards and again you can double layer those as well to get a, a strong effect to get just more flowers Hyacinths particularly the prepared hyacinths we mentioned before. And they come in a whole range of different colours. And ideally, they should be potted up, put outdoors for about four or five weeks to mm. get that chilling effect mm. and then brought back into the windowsill about the first week of November. So that's prepared hyacinths. And I think that the last one I mentioned uh, was one called amaryllis, the yeah. hippie the uh, amaryllis flower, which produces those big trumpet-shaped flowers, again, from about the middle of December onwards. Lovely. So any of those three, amaryllis, Hyacinths, the prepared hyacinths, or the paper whites would be good.
0: Okay, now um, somebody is wondering. Oh no, I remember what the prepared hyacinth was. I was trying to remember. Um, what is the recommended amount of Roundup per five litres, please?
1: Um, the, the what I would go for is a hundred mils. 100 mils it's generally 50 to 1 right so 1 part to round up to 50 Which parts works. water okay. so 100 mils of uh, round up to 5 litres uh, yeah now if, if you've got very stubborn weeds maybe brambles nettles docks, something that's a little bit, you know, gorse, something a little bit stronger than the traditional kind of lighter weeds, then you could do 150 mils to 5 litres of water. Um, but 100 mils is generally the uh, is, is the mix, a small bit of washing up liquid is a good idea to put into the mix as well and obviously you need a dry, calm day. So today would be actually a great day to
0: Absolutely.
1: get a bit of control yeah, yeah. on the weeds. Yeah,
0: dry days are hard to come by, they sure will be. Mm. Somebody is wondering uh, they have a 20 year old holly shrub. Can they cut it back well next May? It's too big now.
1: You can cut it back. Remember that the hollies flower in April, early May, the small flowers come on them. So, by pruning it severely back at that time of year, you are going to reduce the amount of berries you're going to get. that Christmas, this mm. coming, you know, the, the following Christmas. Mm. So, but certainly Holly will tolerate uh, clipping back. April, early May is a good time to do it because it's coming actively into growth at that time of year. And uh, 20 years old, you could certainly be taking two feet, maybe three feet off the plant and it'll reshoot again. So, again, I would leave it alone at the moment until uh, next spring. Cut it back anytime from the end of April onwards. Give it a little bit of feed maybe at that time of year as well.
0: Okay, somebody has a blue hydrangea, but it right. started to turn purple okay. as it grew. Can they bring it back to blue? Should it be cut down now? And what about cyclamen and frost? All together. All together.
1: <laughs> Is there one answer? In one breath. Yeah. Well, again, going back to the pruning of the hydrangeas, yeah. get exactly what I said, leave it for the springtime and okay. just remove the old um, the old flowering wood. Funnily enough, the purple or blue hydrangeas often can go to purple as the flower ages and particularly as we get into colder, as, as the temperature gets cooler and you'll often find it with red, with pink hydrangeas, they'll go to more deeper red as we come into the autumn. Okay. So. Really what I would do, again, there's nothing that that needs to be done on hydrangeas at this time of year, pruning in the springtime, put on a good rose fertilizer then in April, early May. And by all means, you can put some of the hydrangea colorant, the little crystals on in April uh, of next year. And that intensifies the blue color. But, you know, the purpling could just be a symptom of the time of year that we're coming into and also the cooler temperatures. And you'll find that with hydrangeas. If you look at them in gardens at the moment, they'll often have pink hydrangeas will go a more reddish color, uh, often bordering on purple. And the blue hydrangeas as well, the color tends to intensify. as the flower ages and as we get into the cooler weather. So um, really leave them alone until spring, prune them in April and feed them at a rose feed and they'll be perfectly fine.
0: Lovely. Now, what was the lovely flower you planted in the pot on Ireland AM on Thursday morning? A big flower and also is it possible to get bluebells bulbs. Bluebell
1: bulbs. Yeah, bluebells are available at the moment in lovely woodland plants, lovely in containers and easy to grow. Uh, and we're not, we not tuned in on Thursday morning. Well,
0: I'll tell you, Porek, I've yes. gone back to university and I'm university <laughs> on a Thursday. We, we'll so I'm off. afraid you'll have to let me off on that front. I was on the road.
1: OK, well, what we did on TV, um, uh, what I did this week was planted up a, a number of planted containers and uh, we kind of, we, we uh, did a makeover on, on the decking area in TV3 but the pots the, some of the plants i use the plant i think the listener is talking about is is probably skimmia obsession which is um a, a lovely evergreen shrub that has lovely red berries uh, at this time of year and it's actually an unusual skimmia in that the birds dislike the berries oh
0: okay
1: so they don't they, they don't find the berries attractive don't ask me why but um, uh, so, and you often find with, with Skimmy Obsession that the berries actually stay on all summer long mm. which is very unusual on burying plants because generally the birds have them gone by April from the, the yeah. hoover off, off the plant so that's that was the plant I used in the centre of the pot and then we used a lot of smaller plants like cyclamen winter pansies um, violas winter heathers um, you know, there were the, the kind of just to dress the pot. But the main plant I used was a plant called Skimmy Obsession, nice evergreen shrub. It'll grow in the garden soil, or it'll grow as a as a decorative plant um, in in pots. And it's lovely. You know, it gives that kind of nice Christmas feel. It's like a holly bush, but a huge amount of berries on it, and a nice neat little plant. So, Skimmy Obsession was there. I think that's a plant say, there. Okay. Yeah, I also showed a, a very nice apple tree, a pyramid apple tree um, and a few other plants we had were, were some of the cord lines and some of the variegated castor oil plants we used in the pot. So you can you can actually um, go back on The Real Player on TV3 if you just go onto their website tv3.ie um, and bring up, search for gardening and the and the actual okay. clip will come, come back up. It's available for, to replay if you want to have a look at it. Okay, well,
0: now I have no excuse, you I'll have, no have excuse to go and exactly. have a look at it after the programme. <laughs> um, okay. I'm I've forgotten about the the, the the player somebody is wondering can we can they fumigate their tunnel do they need to have it empty can they move a blueberry shrub now as well
1: okay well blueberries are still in leaf they uh, I would leave them for, for until the first of November transplanted then and um, and some of the, the blueberries actually still have fruit on them so you know wait until you have picked the fruit wait till the plant goes back and then transplanted do remember that it likes acid soil so when you're replanting it in the new location or if you're putting it into a pot make sure you use some ericaceous compost and maybe mix some of the ericaceous slow-release fertilizer with it as well um what was the first bit? the
0: first one was can they fumigate their tunnel but do they need to have it empty um well it would you need to well i suppose you should only fumigate if it needs to be fumigated isn't yeah
1: it? And, and and it's if you well, have insects and stuff. it is the time of year to be tidying up the right. greenhouse anyway if you've got tomato plants and you've got um you know bits and pieces in, in the in the tunnel Mm. or the greenhouse it's a good time to to tidy it up and and I mentioned I think with the tomatoes that you can ripen those by putting them in a bag with a banana or you can just cut the vine and hang it up in a shed and it'll ripen as well so by tidying up the greenhouse certainly yeah you could do that clean down the glass you can get a a little (coughs) canister called fumigant pea which has um, it's an insecticide that you light, you leave it in the centre of the greenhouse and the the smoke that it creates goes into the cracks and crevices and and eliminates any pests that might be overwintering. So that could be done if you wish. Um, You could also, if the the glass was very green or lots of algae on it, you could wash that down with some patio magic as well just to freshen up the, the greenhouse. But in general a good tidying is, out is really what it needs okay. um, and if you feel there's a lot of pests in it well then you can use the little fume again to pee canisters and that you just simply just light them close the greenhouse leave it for two hours and that cleans or eliminates any, any pests, pests that might be in the, in the greenhouse
0: okay lovely we're going to take another quick little break uh, but we still have more to come so do stay with us Okay, now, uh, last roundup, I suppose, really, Porek, on these. Uh, first of all, somebody's wondering, can we suggest a feed for green fa- conifers growing in pots that are grow- showing a lot of brown? They're samarils and a great show.
1: Two-year samarils, yeah. yeah, it's a lovely, lovely shrub. I would really just get down to the source of why the conifers are, are going brown. Either they're waterlogged in the containers, either they're in the containers too long and the roots have just filled the actual uh, compost you know the used up all the nutrition and um, the other thing that could cause browning is dogs lifting their left oh, leg indeed, yeah. Yes, yeah um and really feeding you're not going to be feeding you know I did mention the potash for the fruiting trees and that's for a different purpose really just to get the the, the fruit to set and, and and the trees to produce nice flowering buds but really the feeding of plants you stop at this time of year conifers have stopped growing so I wouldn't be advocating feeding them you are only bringing them back that into growth bright. and they can suffer from heavy frost. If the pots are too small, I would like Tuya Samaril is a tree that will often grow up to 10 feet, 12 feet in height. It has it's has beautiful conical shape. Um, so it needs a relatively large pot to sustain it. And, and really I would try to get down to the source of why the conifers are going brown. So it's either dogs affecting them the pots are, are too confining, or the you know the plants are waterlogged or lacking nu- nutrition. But yeah. you wouldn't be feeding them until next spring. So really look at the source of the problem, and if they need to be planted out of the containers now, would be a good time to do that to actually plant them out into the garden. It makes a beautiful inform or formal hedge. It's got that beautiful conical shape to it. smarled, really nice conifer. Needs no clipping. And, um, you know, plant it out in the garden It makes a nice specimen tree yeah. or, or formal hedge. So I would really try to get down to the source of why the conifer is going brown, really. And when you see browning in conifers, you need to prune that out because it doesn't reshoot. That brown piece of wood will remain brown and just wither away. So it's a good idea just to clip it out to allow some of the growth around it next spring to okay. fill in. Um, so really, it's a matter of finding out exactly what's causing the browning, to be honest. Okay. Uh, and, uh, you know, either change them out of the containers the rain if it's a dog you, you know that needs to be controlled, controlled. and uh, feeding you really won't be starting to feed thuyas until April of next year they're not going to come into growth until then
0: Lovely Now what's a good hedge for roadside that looks well and easy to maintain and attracts birds? Um,
1: well uh, the one that would come to my mind too, actually that would come to my mind one would be there's quite a number of the Cotoniaster family that can be grown as hedges uh, lacteus is a very good variety or another variety called Carnubia Cotoneaster Carnubia or Lacteus they, they make very very good solid hedges um, summer evergreen varieties they produce lovely red berries which the birds just adore at this time of year Okay. Um, so that would be good the other one would be Pyracantha the firethorn which again is evergreen it's thorny like a white thorn mm-hmm. produces white flowers in April mm-hmm. and lovely orange or yellow or red berries depending on the variety you choose at this time of year and Pyracantha will make a hedge five six seven feet comfortable uh eight feet if you allow it holly would be another choice of course which would be nice and mm-hmm. there's many different varieties of both the variegated and the green holly uh jc van Tall is is, an, is one that bears berries on its own mm. so you don't need male and female or you could go some, with some of the variegated ones like golden king or silver queen make a beautiful hedge as well so variegated hollies pyracantha or some of the cotoneaster family would be very good for um, for a nice solid uh hedge with flowers and fruit then in the autumn.
0: What's the, what's the theory on mixed hedging, you know, where you would have a hedge maybe with some different, different kinds of hedging? It's in a it. great idea. Yeah.
1: It's a great idea and would and tend to suit more rural areas. So you could think of, of plants like hazelnuts. Uh, you could think of things like the white thorn, black thorn, uh, ash, uh, beech any of those will form hornbeam that we mm. had last week mm. they all you could put you could put some of the rosa rugosa that i talked about yeah. this morning you could do a whole mixture of different um, broadleaf and native trees that would fuchsia. Uh, and that you get that lovely mixed effect uh, from the from hedge the from the hedge but it tends to suit more rural gardens okay. uh, country formal. gardens yeah it's it's an informal type of yeah. hedge yeah. um so mm, less formal yeah. like you'd see in the hedgerows yes. growing naturally yeah. in the hedgerows you could certainly put that all together Okay. That'd be a great idea. Yeah, it's just
0: an idea. Yeah. Uh, now, the brown green jelly like substance on gravel. I know this is coming up. But I guess it's very prevalent at the minute. With the rain, yeah. Yeah, it's quite slippery. How do you get rid of it?
1: Um, it's a thing called Nostuk, and you, you remove it with patio magic. Just mix it up in water, spray it on, and it'll kill it off.
0: Lovely. Now, uh, when do you set seed for early York? Do you put seed directly into the ground?
1: Well, you can do that. You can you can sow the seed in a say a small seed bed out of doors. Um, very good variety, one called uh, Hispe, Hispi H I S P I, which is a a, a really nice cone shaped cabbage. Mm-hmm. It's an early York variety. Uh, if you sow it from seed now, you'll be certainly putting it on the dinner plate in April May of next year. I would sow the seed to be honest indoors. Start them off indoors in seed trays cover them with a bit of cling film they'll germinate in two or three weeks and by the end of October they'll be ready for planting out into the garden you can also sow them quite happily out of doors if you wish but obviously it's going to be a slower germinating period Mm. and sometimes the slugs get on top of the seedlings before you 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 know before they get an opportunity to grow on so for me if you've you've got an old seed tray around simply compost firm it down Uh, have it reasonably moist sow the the hiss cabbage seed uh, into the tray covered with cling film it'll germinate in two weeks grow it on 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 the windowsill for a further two weeks and then plant the plants out of doors from about the end of October onwards but you can certainly sow some seed outdoors if you wish as well
0: but just maybe give them an added start it just
1: gives them a kick start you're controlling that, that early period where the slugs and snails can be and funny enough, I was just cleaning out my own garden last weekend, emptying out containers of mm. of uh, window boxes, and the amount of snails.
0: Oh, it's so, yeah, huge, the it's savage. Yeah, huge. Yeah, uh, there's a huge
1: a, crop for next it's year. It's been
0: an incredible uh, year, I think, for
1: yeah. snails. Yeah, they've think. had snails and so they've just had a ball yeah. because they've been they've been munching and eating right through since March right? you know day and night yeah. because of the wet conditions but there's a, a lot of them around at the moment anyway Yeah I did notice that and the few bits that I had out definitely they
0: all, yeah. they you'll all, see they all them, had
1: to go Yeah and you'll, you'll see you'll see the young now up under the lip of, of your window boxes in under the, the pots you know under the, the rims and that's right. where they're That's, that's where, where
0: they're hibernating That's where now. they're
1: knocking out at the moment right. Yeah yeah So maybe yeah. have a
0: little sweep around
1: Exactly a tidy up
0: uh, now, um, by putting on sulphate of iron now, can you also put on autumn feet as well?
1: Yes, you can, yeah. It's a very good... What I would do with the lawn, like I mentioned, is, is give it a trim today if you can. Put on the sulphate of iron maybe this evening, tomorrow morning. And that will work. The sulphate of iron works very rapidly, so within a day or two, it'll have killed off the moss, and then you can apply the autumn lawn feed. So maybe by Wednesday or Thursday, put on the the autumn lawn feed. Okay. But yeah, that's 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 exactly the the steps to take. Um, the, many of the autumn lawn feeds have some sulphate of iron in it, but you're better if the moss is there to put straight sulphate of iron on on its own. Right. Allow it to work, and then put on the autumn feed, and that's the best. That's, that's, that's so the best techniques. overall effect. Yeah.
0: Now, how can can I cut back my rose bush and how far should I cut
1: it back? You can, yeah, by all means. Um, They've certainly been knocked about a, a lot with the wind and and wetting. so yeah, tidy them back. Rose bushes, if they're the general floribunda hybrid tea type varieties, you'll be shortening them back to within six or eight inches of ground level. So cut them right hard back to an outward facing bud if possible. Remove any dead wood, tidy up the bed, take off any old dead leaves, you know, dead stems mm-hmm. and whatever, clean up the bed. And if you want, if you've got a quite a big rose bed, you You could put some Armelitox on which will act as a kind of winter wash and just clean the bed and kind of disinfect the bed. So once it's pruned and tidied, a little bit of Armelitox mixed through the watering can and applied to the area will just clean up the bed.
0: Okay, but we are saying a little bit?
1: A little bit of Armelitox. Armelitox. Yeah, Yeah, you don't have to overdo it. Just follow the instructions. I think think again the mix is about 1 to 50 Okay. and um, it just acts like a disinfectant. It's like Jay's fluid, It, it acts as a disinfectant onto the bed. and. Cleans it up a little.
0: Okay, lovely. Now, somebody has a young plum tree. It's growing out wild. So they're wondering when and how do they reshape
1: it? Yeah, well, plums, are, they're very vigorous. And again, this year, uh, they're no exception. They've put on lots of growth. The, 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 the rule of thumb with any any of the stone fruit, so any of the fruits that have a stone in the centre, like plums, cherries, uh, nectarines, peaches, you don't prune them until springtime. So you wait until growth has started. So I would leave it until after St. Patrick's Day, middle March, the end of March. That's the time to cut it back. And at that time of year, you can literally just trim it quite hard back. So with plums, ideally, it should have a nice open center to the, to the tree mm-hmm. and prune to buds that are facing outwards. So prune back the stems to an outward facing bud. So you're encouraging the branches to go out and form a kind of a cup or globular type of shape on the tray but April is the time so don't do any pruning on any of the stone fruits fine on apples pears um, but not on on, uh, not where there's a not where there's a little stone in the in the middle because they're in the cherry family in the prunus family and they can suffer from a thing called silver leaf which is a disease that gets into cherries during the winter period so if you prune them in the winter you're leaving the cuts exposed the disease enters over the winter period and can do damage so just leave the plant alone until April or, you know, at the end of March, that sort of time of year, just before the leaves start to start to kick out, cut it back then.
0: Okay, now. Uh, somebody has a large amount of carrots. They're wondering, can they harvest them, but they don't have a shed?
1: Yeah, of course you can. Now, and a good, again, now is the time to, like carrots will generally stay in the soil until about the middle of November, mid-November. It gets very, very cold, but you can start harvesting them now. They'll store fine in a, in a pit. So you can literally get to make up a kind of a pit of sand, or uh, soil and literally just dig the, the roots up, create a kind of a pit or a mound and lay the carrots on their side into the pit or into the sand area um, and, and just backfill with with soil or compost or moss peat or um, moist sand. The trick really is to keep the roots damp. Um, so a pit is an ideal t- area. If you haven't an area, uh, you know, like a, a cellar mm. or a, a dark shed to keep them in, they really just need to be kept moist and um you know, as long as you do that then yes it's a good time to start harvesting them
0: okay great now somebody is also wondering um, how do you make sure no unwanted pests appear in your compost bin rats etc
1: well the, the trick: you won't have rats or mice if you use uncooked fruit they have no interest in in uh Cabbage leaves and carrot peelings and, and no meat,
0: instance. no meat, yeah.
1: nothing that, that that's because going that's to what attracts them, really. exactly and and generally any of the bins you 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 know that's a good way of kind of sealing them out anyway. But if you do use on uncooked foods, uh, so you know apple peelings, cabbage peeling, all of that sort of thing, the rats have no interest in that. Okay, they're looking for the good stuff. They are indeed.
0: Uh, <laughs> white lilies in a pot for a few years. Can you plant them out?
1: Yeah, anything in pots, um, if you need to be transplanting them, move them out. Yeah, a good time to do them. I'm presuming it's the, the white arum lily, the big uh, colourful lily that uh, flowers from July onwards. It's a good time to divide it. So if you've got it in a pot and you want to make two or three, just tip it out of the pot, get a sharp spade, uh dissect the root into pieces and then transplant them out into the garden somewhere and maybe put one back into the pot again
0: Okay Oh, so, yeah,
1: good time to do it.
0: Now, somebody they've got a brown ring on their carrots. Why would this
1: be? Well, the brown rings can be a, with a number of reasons, but carrot root fly in particular will create that brown. It's a small maggot that enters the the carrot, and you can see a kind of a staining or a damage around the the uh, outside of the carrot, or indeed often right through the carrot as well. So it sounds like carrot root fly. It has been a year for a lot of carrot root fly this year, um, and it you know typically that's what you're seeing that the maggot just creates that. Brown or ringed effect onto the the carrot. Now the carrot is still edible. Uh, that portion isn't obviously, okay. but the rest of the carrot is perfectly All edible. Right. So depending on the level of damage on the actual root, and um, that'll determine whether they should be put in the compost heap or whether they should be
0: put, put into the, the kitchen. Right. Exactly. <laughs> they mightn't win anything at the show no, but no. they're still no. you, they're still usable Eggs, of course they are right dog roses when the do- roses die back a tomato like bulb forms is this the seed and can they harvest them yeah
1: that's well that's the fruit the fruit the fruit
0: that we were talking about earlier yeah.
1: what's the difference between the fruit fruit and a vegetable
0: Oh one is the seeds on the outside and the other is the seeds on the inside. Or that's it.
1: Well, like that. the fruit yeah, anything that's a fruit has the seed on the inside. inside. So like the or um like the the, the rose hip, what, that's what you're seeing. This if you break it up, you'll see the small pips inside. So and that's what you need to do to harvest those uh, seed. You n- need to actually expose the the f- open the up the fruit, take out the seed. Um, and that seed actually can be sown and, and it's a great way to propagate uh, rosa rugosa or the dog roses uh, from, from from seed. So it's a, probably a t- just a little early yet that the, you want to allow the fruit to ripen. So mm. there should be a good red colour before you actually take the seed out of so the... So the
0: seeds are a good size really. I suppose, yeah, so yeah and, and,
1: and they, they'll have ripened at that stage. So the fruit, the actual outward colour would be a, a rich red. Okay. So again, about two, three weeks time from now.
0: Uh, potatoes were badly attacked by slugs. Was that because of the rain? Yeah. yeah well, like you they're, ha- they're, they're,
1: they're there is actually a specific slug that attacks potato. It's a small black slug, particularly on soft varieties like um, Curse Pink would be a favourite of, of the uh, slug. And um, it, it tends to attack more main crop varieties than, than early varieties. So one way of avoiding it is... is is Growing early varieties of potatoes, but look, at it's down to the wet here. I mean, right, slugs yeah. have just—they're
0: just, they're just, they're whether just it's there on the potatoes, yeah. or
1: whether it's in the, yeah,
0: but you know, on the plants. On the, yeah, they're they're, they're just everywhere. Yeah. Um one or two very quick ones before we uh, conclude, Porik. And um, somebody's wondering: Are laurel poisonous to livestock?
1: It's it's not that they're poisonous uh, per se. It's the thing with laurel is they have oxalic acid in the which which is often in. Um, in uh, cabbage plants as well so if they eat a lot of the leaves the acid can actually get them to swell up
0: that they get tummy upset.
1: Exactly, and but yeah, they can get quite sick from it. So right. it depends on, on the amount of of actual laurel leaves. An odd leaf munched here and there is going to be of no damage whatsoever. It's the same if, if cattle break into a vegetable area and they eat a lot of cabbage. Yeah, they swell up because of the the acid yes, in the in the in the cabbage. Right. But this they, so the same with with laurels. It's not that there's a poisonous ingredient per se in it, but they do have this oxalic acid, which in high doses can cause a poisoning effect. Okay. To to cattle, right. it's not directly right. It's not going yeah. to you know, yeah. It's it's yeah. So it's so it's yeah. not like a deadly nightshade or some other plants okay. that are highly poisonous. Right. But because of the acid level in laurel, and if they eat a lot of the right. foliage, it, it causes um, a poisoning type effect.
0: Okay. Uh, so be um, careful
1: planting them. I suppose yeah. in in you know in, in where you in have farmland lifestyle. areas. Yeah, and and keep them trimmed and keep them neat. And and if you're trimming them, don't throw the branches and the leaves into the into farmland areas because it can cause uh, a negative effect to, to cattle. Okay.
0: And last question, sorry, frog my throat. All of is there are there winter potatoes, and if so, when should they be set?
1: Well, there are what we call Christmas potatoes <laughs> that are generally put on sale in June and July, um, and you really need to grow them in a tunnel area. Um, I actually I grew some. We're, were eating them at the moment, oh, uh, so they were you know planted early, and, and they're like new potatoes when you when you harvest them. Oh, they so they're lovely. Yeah, yeah, they're you know exactly. you don't need Potato. no peeling. You know fantastic bit of yeah they're lovely uh, but it's i think you're, you might find it t- difficult to get them now right. we're certainly sold out of them and you do need a greenhouse or a tunnel and i would like really start planting them around the middle of august early september because they need that early bit of growing period to get them going uh, but if, if you can still find them in in uh, garden centers then you could certainly give it a try if you have a greenhouse or a tunnel they won't work out of out doors.
0: okay and I'm afraid that's where we have to conclude for this morning. Good and show today. Yeah. Yes, it was. Lots of interesting Great. questions. Yeah, I know we didn't get to all of them, as we rarely do, but hopefully we got a good flavour of the various kinds of questions that yeah. are come again.
1: Well, people can go onto my website as well, gardencentre.ie. Uh, go onto the blog there. I've got all the gardening tips and hints that you could be doing through October. So if you want some things to do in the garden, there's a list of jobs there that can be done. And keep an eye on the on the blog because I'll be keeping that updated over the winter period.
0: Well, on, behalf, on behalf of all of us, thanks a million for thanks all the dear, great advice over uh, the past number of months. And uh, I'm sure we'll be picking things up again come uh, the new year. We'll
1: be <laughs> indeed. Next <laughs> spring again. That's
0: it. <laughs> That's it for me. I'll be back with uh, three hours of Good Morning Mayo on next Saturday morning from 7. until. they'll have yourselves a wonderful weekend. Michael Neary is up after the news.